We've reached the final few episodes. These next two may be a bit difficult to listen to, but we can't go all the way through Mark and then skip over them. This is the story of Friday, the next morning, after the crushing in the Garden of Gethsemane, after the betrayal of Judas, after Peter and the rest of the disciples flee, after Jesus is put on trial, after Peter denies Jesus three times, after the rooster crows, after all of that, that sad, heavy, fateful Thursday night, Friday arrives. And Friday, the day we know as Good Friday, was anything but good at the time. It was tragic and confusing and scary. And even though Jesus tried to tell Peter and the crew about it three different times, it took them completely by surprise. Welcome to Season 6 of Stories in Scripture, a podcast dedicated to telling the big story of the Bible one piece at a time. In this season, we are walking through Mark's Gospel. Our hope is that these short episodes will lead you into more, into a time of reading, reflection, prayer, whatever it is for you. The goal is that you let the amazing story about the Savior of the world transform the way you live out your life today. Peter opened his eyes while it was still dark. He sat up and stretched his back. He hadn't slept for a second and cursed himself as he remembered falling asleep at his post. Sleep was always like that, he thought to himself. It always comes when you don't want it, but never comes when you do want it. Peter's entire body began to shake. The last he'd heard, they were carrying Jesus off to a cell to hold him until he could stand in front of Pilate. Peter tried to pray, but it was useless. He figured God didn't want anything to do with him. Not yet. Not until he could make this right. He stood up and made his way to Herod's temple, where he correctly assumed the trial would take place. Jesus was bound and left standing in front of Pilate. So, Pilate said with a sneer, is it true? Are you the king of the Jews? There was laughter from those around Pilate. I asked you a question. Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. The crowd erupted after those four words, accusations flying in from everywhere. Hold on, hold on, Pilate said, regaining control of the crowd, but no doubt feeling their strength and the threat they'd pose if they didn't get what they wanted. He looked down at Jesus, begging him to help him out to do this the easy way. Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? Silence. Jesus didn't say a word. Pilate shook his head, half in anger and half in amazement. You all know the custom at the festival, Pilate said, breaking the incredibly awkward silence. I will release a prisoner to you, whomever you request, Barabbas, the one who committed murder in the uprising, or Jesus, the so-called king of the Jews. Do you want me to release you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. The chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead, and Pilate knew better than to go against an angry crowd. Well then, what shall I do 
with the one you call the king of the Jews, he asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Pilate paused, but they kept shouting. Why, he asked, what crimes has he committed? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Pilate took one last look at Jesus to see if he'd object, but it seemed things were set. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. As Peter watched from a distance, he felt the ground giving out beneath him. They're, they're going to crucify him? No, this is all my fault. Still, he knew there wasn't anything he could do. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, calling together the whole company of soldiers as they went. Peter's view was incredibly limited, but he could tell they put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Peter's heart hurt more and more with each blow. He watched his rabbi struggle to stand as the soldiers fell to their knees, paying homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. This is the spot all of Mark's gospel has been leading up to. You've probably felt it as we went that Jesus' message and manners were bound to get him in trouble at some point. And here, in this story, we finally have the square off between Jesus and Pilate. Pilate, the governor, the one with all the political power and sway to make the decisions, and Jesus, the humble servant. Pilate, the one who rode into Jerusalem for Passover to establish dominance, and Jesus, the king who rode in for peace. Pilate, who had pursued greatness in the world's eyes. Jesus, who had shown us what true greatness looks like. And here they are, Pilate essentially having his hand forced by the crowd, sending Jesus to his death. Pilate seems to be begging Jesus to say something, but instead, Jesus lets it all play out, and the crowd sends him to his death. There are so many practical implications to the story, but here's a simple one. The same crowd that shouts, save us, on Sunday will often shout, crucify him, on Friday. In other words, the crowd is fickle. And so, as you go along in your life, you are going to get a whole lot of opinions thrown your way. There will be no shortage of people wanting to tell you how they think you should live. I think it's important to learn how to distinguish between the crowd and the disciples. Between the ones who barely know you and the ones who truly love you. Take criticism, for example. Anyone who is ever doing anything worthwhile will get critiqued for it. The question is, who is that criticism coming from? Is it coming from someone who knows you, knows your motivations and your beliefs and the reasons why you do the things you do, or is it coming from the crowd? And it's not that the crowd doesn't have anything good to say, it's just that their opinion of you will go back and forth like the tide. The trick is, instead of stressing out about the crowd, invest in those closest to you, into your community. And when they do have a critique for you, listen to it. Because as the proverb reminds us, wounds from a friend 
can be trusted. When I read the triumphal entry, I picture Peter, James, John, and the rest of the guys with smiles from ear to ear, but that's not how I pictured Jesus, at least not anymore. I think Jesus knew not to live for the crowd's applause because he also knew how quickly they could turn. The crowd is not a great indication of how you're really doing. Those closest to you, those who love you, those who care about you, they are the much better barometer. Trust them. Listen to them. Now, the final thought. Winning in the kingdom of heaven is often going to feel like losing at first. Oftentimes, it's going to feel like everything is falling apart. There's a spiritual principle here. Before there can be new life, there first has to be death. Before there can be resurrection, there first has to be the cross. Before Sunday, you're inevitably going to have a Friday. And so, if there is something in your life that just doesn't seem to be working, a dream you've been fighting for, working tirelessly on maybe, I'm not saying this is 100% true all the time, I'm just saying maybe the Holy Spirit is inviting you to let go. Or let a piece of it die to release control surrender it and let god bring about something brand new thank you for listening to this episode of stories in scripture we hope season six is bringing mark's gospel to life for you and that this episode helps you see the bigger picture mark is painting for us if you are enjoying this podcast We'd love for you to share it with your friends, and rating and review it goes a long way as well. We love getting to tell these stories and appreciate you coming along for the ride. So we'll see you next time for our next story.